0: In the Finley Toyota Studio
1: on ESPN Las Vegas.
2: All right, here we go on Thursday. JBT is here, Devon, Finley Toyota Studios. It's Cofield. Uh, Big weekend coming up. We'll see if the Raiders can right the ship. Tough spot. See if Jimmy G, who's out there today, is going to be ready to go. By Sunday, the Hawaii UNLV game at the Al on Saturday afternoon is starting to heat up, and then we got the Canelo fight in town, so we got a bunch of guests on. Coming up, we'll do a little uh, Hawaii football talk in about 15 minutes with one of the guys from ESPN Honolulu. John, how are you?
1: Good, Steve. Uh, it was a busy uh, day today. It was a busy day okay, today. Good. Just a lot of work, you know? Uh, it's it's a fun pass when the wife and kids are not around anymore. Today's the first day of that, but it's it's more of a nobody's going to bother me while I do what I need to do pass. And that's really the beauty of being home by myself. Nice and quiet, right? Yes, nice and quiet. Okay. we well, have a lot of jobs. Yes, so I got a lot of work done
2: today. Yeah, you have a lot of jobs. Um, Damon had some jobs. I'm not sure what's going to be happening moving forward. Uh, devastating news on the XFL-USFL
1: merger? Yeah, people are already laughing on my grave. Well, I guess that means that the Vipers aren't going to be here. You know, the Vipers took care of me. Do we know? I, we don't know officially, but I mean, they were on the brink already when it was just the XFL. Now a merger? On the brink. Yeah. I mean, I guess you're an insider. You would know these things. Cash well, they, and I mean, they cash did
2: get a new coach. Rod Woodson was sent walking. Um, I would think that the merger would give Vegas a chance for another year or two. Where
1: are they going to play at? That was the that was one of the bigger issues. Yeah, I don't know. They're going to Field where it was where the grass was just sprayed green. Yeah, the dirt was sprayed. Yeah, really? Yes, that first game, atrocious. That's incredible. I mean, it'd
2: be nice if there was some cooperation from the power brokers around Las Vegas because we had to wait until the very last minute because they got they definitely got turned down to play at Allegiant and then they wanted to play at LV Ballpark that wasn't allowed. So I'm not sure. Remind me why they can't play at Sam Boyd? The Raiders also have say over Sam Boyd.
1: And they're just so like, you can't
2: they're play at Allegiant, but you also can't use Sam Boyd. <laughs> they're
1: just like, no, nah, you're not doing I mean, we
2: signed away. It's what we signed. When,
1: well, it's hard know, stadium When folks that.
2: like Michelle Fiore didn't read SB1 back then and didn't dot the I's and cross the T's, and she wasn't the only one, there was a lot of stuff in there that gave the Raiders pretty much free reign to do whatever they want with the Owl, and also with Sam Boyd. Uh, how
1: about, is it, uh, what's the park right there next to Sam Boyd? Is that silver whatever? You know what park I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. I used to practice yeah. there with kids all the time uh, when I coach football. There you go. Just paint some lines. Have the stands, you know, put up some quick stands. You can play there. This I mean, is big-time professional sports. We can't just have makeshift stands. I mean, that, that'd be an well, intimate home field.
2: He, they played at so I don't know how big time it was, but they were kind of forced in there. I mean, this might sound like a joke, but. Gorman holds what, like four or five thousand. I don't. I don't know if they would let him play there, but that's they also happened. said no. That's all. Really, all they need. So, and uh, obviously, the breaking ground for the A Stadium, wherever it's going to be, that hasn't happened yet. Mm. Uh, although, oddly, I guess not reading the tea leaves, uh, Steve Hill did have a slide that listed XFL games at the new A's ballparks. There you go. I don't know if he talked to anyone with the XFL or that there was going to be a merger or that there might not be a Vegas Viper team.
1: No, nah, that sounds legitimate, and uh, they just got to wait. Four years. They'll yeah. get in there. Yeah, <laughs> They got to survive for four years somewhere. You'll be all right. Demond. You can travel for work. That's what people do. Steve does it. You can I still could. be part of the Viper squad. You just
2: got to travel. Yeah, are you in – what if they, if they played – well, if they leave the market, they're going to be leaving the market for good. So.
1: But, I mean, he did such a good job that he could still be based out of Las Vegas and just yes. travel every Me time. and Harry Ruiz, dynamite.
2: Have you talked to Harry? Is he devastated? Does he see bad times coming with your XFL gigs? Uh, You know what? I think he's comfortable with his Raider gig.
1: Okay. And he'll be fine. Okay. So you're saying he has a lot more going on than you do? Yes. A lot happier than you are. Start knocking down doors, buddy. Greasy, what? Squeaky wheel gets the grease? I mean, we, I
2: don't know if you do. I, I send them job ads, whatever they're called now. Job postings online Mm. all the time. What
1: what was the old piece? What was it in the paper? What
3: were those? I was going to say classified ads. (laughs) I'm stuck (laughs) on that every time. I've (laughs) I've
2: mentioned jobs the last couple days in phone conversations. Uh, By the way, we have a bunch of openings here, so uh, go look on Indeed, and you can apply for behind the scenes and on air. Indeed. Yeah. All right, we'll move on. Um, Good game tonight? Lions-Packers. I'm down with this because I don't like the Packers, and I'm rooting for them to win about six games and be stuck at, like, the number nine pick. But, yeah, we got – the assignment for the uh, big galoot, Dan Campbell and Aaron Glenn, is to somehow figure out a way to stop Jordan Love, who we were told by a <laughs> Packers insider was possibly going to uh, take this team up and onward, upward and onward. And uh, the fans said they were tired of Aaron Rodgers, so it's Jordan Love time.
1: the tired of those go-routes on third down. Yep, third they suck. And short. <laughs> they suck. The guy,
2: The guy basically reinvented the game. Uh, <laughs> Most annoying pass ever. If you're the
1: opposition, and uh, they were tired of it, I think it's a good game because it's an evenly matched game between two division opponents. So, by the like, way, I was referencing a back shoulder throw, not the go routes. Yes, um, so I think that's what makes it a good game. And while Jordan Love has not been spectacular, uh, he did. He is coming off of his best game, like by grading and you know statistical measures. So maybe there is some improvement that is coming along for Jordan Love. And there's narrative here, obviously, with the Detroit Lions and filling out the role of division favorites. And how do you do that? Well, you take your first step by taking out a division rival on Thursday night in primetime on the road. So I'm kind of in. I can't wait to watch what's going to happen. I also want – look, I know it's only week three. My guy Jordan Love can put the dagger in this whole bet with them on today with like a – like an in a, like an 80 grade. He really can't. <laughs> he really can't. It's too early. No, it's not. It's because, Justin, it's Justin Fields. Fields against Jordan it's Love,
2: it's not going it's not trending in the right direction for Justin Fields cuz now he's not even running the ball. That was like the great thing from a stat nerd standpoint that he ran the ball and now he's not even really effective doing that or they don't want him to do it.
1: Stat nerd standpoint was just <laughs> it's just what made their <laughs> offense like somewhat okay. No, I like it. I, think it was I was counting stats, but in
2: spite of the fact that he may go 11 to 23 in a game for 160 yards and you know a touchdown interception, if you yeah. rush for 100, oh, right, his okay. grade goes
1: up. Yes, all right, yes.
2: In real football, it might
1: not really matter if you're down two touchdowns. Right. So, I mean, I'm I'll stand by my words. Dagger goes in tonight. Let's go, Packers roll. He's got the Broncos this week, and so I'm feeling pretty good about that. But uh, also- I think it'd take a competent offense to do that. That's arguably the best offense to that in the last week. Let's not assume that the field <laughs> that the Bears can just roll in and do the same thing. Not gonna let you ruin this for me, <laughs> uh, but oh I will God. ask. <laughs>
2: I would love if I would love the Bears' offense <laughs> to fire up like forty plus against oh, Sean's D.
1: That's why I, I look. His I, defense, I know. By the way. Yeah. I know that people are probably – I asked somebody about this game when I was doing a show the other day. like, oh, I can't believe you asked me about this. No, this is the most fascinating game. It's incredibly For, fascinating. To your point, if the Broncos come out and let Justin Fields and the Bears look competent as an offense, Peyton should get fired before the game's over. Hmm. If, they, if they get over <laughs> 20 points, it'd be a nightmare.
2: It also says a lot about the Bears that a team just gave up a record yes. amount of points going back, uh, what, 47 years, and they come out the next week and they're a favorite on the road.
1: I'd argue that this is the who's going to get fired first bowl. Whoever loses this game is probably going to get fired first. Because your point on one side, you have the offense that, dude, that team just gave up 70. You better go out there and look somewhat okay. And on the other end, you get the Denver Broncos, which is, dude, that team stinks. And if you can't go out there and just (laughs) beat them, you're out of here. It's it's the who's going to get fired first bowl.
2: That's a lot. Well, on the Broncos side, that's a lot of money. For payouts or buyouts. I mean. Could you imagine dumping Russell Wilson and Sean Payton? Oh, dude. After their uh, whatever, Russ, Russ has been there for what, three years, two years? Mm-hmm. Two years. And uh, Payton his first year, you're like, yeah, that's enough. Walmart, we got the money. Screw
1: yeah. it. If you got the money, why not eat it? Well, they
2: have it. Richest owner in all of football. And
1: Payton is kind of looking like a dillweed. So a lot of trash are. talk, he a lot gets. of cockiness,
2: a lot of arrogance.
1: And a lot of not backing it up.
2: Not at all. Lashing out. He's the one who's mad. Sean Payton Be mad at your team. team. Be mad at yourself. Be mad at your coaches. Prep a game, dude. Don't worry about taking shots at everyone else around the league and being all cocky.
1: Sean Payton is, at least for one week, the Colorado of the NFL.
2: Well, we knew we were going to have some heat because there always is. The Hawaiian fans uh, are spirited when they're playing here in Vegas. Ninth Island showdown's coming up on Saturday. It's a 1 o'clock kickoff right here on ESPN Las Vegas. The Ted Ween's pregame show goes at noon. Um You know, it was sort of an innocent statement. I just think it was like, hey, matter-of-factly, throw it out there. A coach on Hawaii threw it out there that, hey, we'll have more fans at the game. And apparently the UNLV coaching staff might have gotten a little miffed over that. So we'll get into that. And what's on the Hawaii side is uh, Josh Pacheco is going to join us from ESPN Honolulu. This game's really big. You know, you play for the trophy. You know, it's it's special
4: because, you know, we – us, us, us and our culture, we love Las Vegas, and, and that's the Ninth Island. And, and uh, we're going to go out there, and, and that's a good team. They're playing really well right now. Uh, coach Barry Onum has got them rolling. All these games are, are really important to us now, and, and this one is a must-win for us. and so.
2: The voice of Timmy Chang, the head coach of Hawaii. Hawaii's in town, Ninth Island Showdown. Josh Pacheco covers the Hawaii scene in Honolulu. I think you've been in town for a couple days now. What's up, Josh? It's uh, John and Cofield. What's happening?
0: What's going on, guys? Yeah, we've been in since uh, Tuesday afternoon. So uh, we've been kind of we've been kind of going here. We've been broadcasting from the towel. Cofield, thanks for joining us yesterday. So uh, yeah, we're having some fun before Saturday. Wait, where are you broadcasting from? Uh, we're broadcasting from the Cal, the California, right off. Oh, of course, so, yeah, uh, all, all of our, yeah, all of our shows. I mean, we do this every other year when uh, when Hawaii comes up. They make it a point to send pr- practically all of our team here. So uh, this is my first. So uh, this has been fun. Have they ever explained why they why they come so early? Um, I well, I think part of it for us, at least, is you know we get to bring some clients down, but. A lot of people use the uh, vacation Hawaii package that goes up here. A lot of a lot of locals stay here, and Main Street Station right next door. And so usually the package they put it all together. So you come in on a Tuesday, you leave on a Sunday, and it's got the all encompassing stuff, you know, in between. So that's why a lot of people come that early because it's part of the package.
2: So when I was on with you yesterday, and I appreciate having me on, um, you guys sounded really impressed with the start of uh, UNLV football. So what have you seen? What have you read up on? with the Rebels?
0: Oh, I mean, there's, there's no doubt. I, you know, I've loved what UNLV has done offensively. I think, I mean, there's not a lot of surprise to that, I think, because Brumfield, I think, has shown us some of that, um, you know, since we've seen him. And then Mayava, uh, we saw him at Kaimuki when he played uh, in high school here. Uh, and there's no doubt he, he was always looked at as an incredibly talented quarterback. So I think from my perspective, at least, I, what UNLV is doing offensively is really not a surprise. Um, I really thought coming in, you know, we saw and we talked uh, a couple of months ago about the Mountain West uh, preseason order of finish, and I saw UNLV at ninth, and I was surprised. I, I would have had them, I think, more in the middle at six. I actually have them. I do a power rankings for our radio station. I have UNLV at four. Um, I'm really not surprised all that much. I think defensively, Uh, a little better than what I thought I would have expected. So, you know, you played the Timmy Chang audio, and what he said about Coach Odom and and this team doing really well, there is nothing shocking to me about that uh, because the upward trajectory here in the last few years, even before Coach Odom and, you know, with Marcus Arroyo there, doesn't um, – you you can see this coming. It's not a surprise to, to most people, I believe.
1: So, Josh, the thing that I'm really interested in watching in this game, and I think Steve would echo this too, uh, is what Braden Shaker's going to do against the secondary? If PFF it breaks down a lot of different things. One of the things that Shaker grades out the highest on is throws 20 or more yards downfield, and UNLV has had some trouble with that. So, how do you imagine this offense and Shaker and what he's able to do here against the secondary that's been pretty opportunistic for opposing quarterbacks down? Uh, excuse me, down the field.
0: You know, I, I think that's a really interesting point because when I look at Hawaii offensively, they aren't to me incredibly successful. Going down the field. Um, when you and all these offenses, or when Hawaii's offense, I think, is at its best, and I think of the second half against New Mexico State, when you're, you know, getting five yards here, 10 yards here, you know, you're, you're running off 10 play drives that take off five minutes, um, you know, off of every drive. I mean, we've seen that as, as really the most successful Hawaii has been. I mean, last week against New Mexico State, in that second half, Hawaii ran over 40 plays, New Mexico State ran 13. Um, obviously that's going to lead to opportunities for points and and Hawaii had that, but they weren't making so much of the big play down the field where they were most successful. They were finding guys on the outs. They were, you know, kind of not necessarily dinking and dunking, but a little closer to that. Um, That was the most consistent Hawaii's offense has been all year, uh, or at least since the Vanderbilt game in week zero. So I think if, if Hawaii does that, keeps the ball moving, um, you know, doesn't, try too much to, to find that big play down the field. I actually think Hawaii is in a better position that way than necessarily challenging UNLV's defense going deep.
2: UNLV Hawaii. One o'clock start. Ninth Island Showdown. Allegiant. UNLVtickets.com is where you get the tickets. Josh Pacheco, ESPN, Honolulu. Uh, covers the uh, Hawaii scene. Um, it looks like by the numbers and a little bit of what I've seen watching um, – I-, I thought Shager was pretty good last year, but he was inconsistent, and he certainly had a good game against UNLV down there. And with the intermittent rain showers, and he's gotten better, right? He has taken a step forward, hasn't he?
0: Oh yeah, I, I think you know he is. He is learning this system, uh, this run and shoot system under Timmy Chang as he goes along. Uh, I-, I think you could argue. That game by game, you have seen a different, um, you've seen different wrinkles of the offense. And I think game by game, you've seen Shager looking good, maybe regressing a bit. Um, and sometimes that's even half by half. Um, Shager's best football in this offense again, second half last week. And I think the Vanderbilt game where he looked like he was pretty much on. I think, I think the two things with him that he's still trying to grasp in this run and shoot offense. A is timing. Uh, I think there are moments you've got to be quick. I think they always say one, two, get it out get it out of your hands. And sometimes he does hold it uh, a little too long. Does't make a ton of mistakes in, in that sense, but still, he does hold on to it a bit too long. He's been stacked quite a bit of times. So I think that's one of the, the first things that come to mind with him. But I think his accuracy um, was a little shaky a couple of games ago. It's gotten better. But I think you're right. I mean, as he's learning this offense, and who better to learn it from than than someone who played in it when he was at the University of Hawaii, he's grasping more of those run-and-shoot elements, and that has been super helpful. And when Hawaii decides to be in more of that true run-and-shoot, they started this year using a little bit more of a tight end look. Um, that has certainly changed. They go to that four-wide look. Um, that is more of an explosive uh, use of that run and shoot, and I think that's where Shager's been at his best when he's got more of those options he can rely on.
2: Strange tangent to go on, but uh, who would be the quarterback of the future when Shager's and gone? And he can stay this year and next year, right? Is that correct?
0: Yes. Um, I, I think <laughs> that's a good question. I, I know they've got, uh, I think it's the Bishop Gorman quarterback, they do. who uh, uh, Mike Alejado, a lot of people are talking about him down the road. And I, I, I had told my co-host Hunter Hughes in the afternoon, I said, I'm a little concerned because right now he's, he's got a verbal commit. But as you guys know better than anybody, uh, verbal commits are just verbal. And if you look good later in your high school career, someone else could come along and say, hey, uh, we'd love to have you. And that verbal commit can go back. So I've, I've been concerned about the potential of a verbal commit kind of you know, going backwards. I think that's where a lot of people are looking is, is looking down the road with him. Um, John Chiave-Sangapolutele, who's a, a local quarterback who just joined this program, there's a lot of people that thought initially that you know, maybe uh, he could be the young understudy. That is really kind of gone by the wayside. Um, but I think if you're looking into the future, that's the one name that, that keeps coming up because none of these quarterbacks behind Shager, um, I think, look to uh, be really any threat at that position
2: yeah, I guess my concern with the uh, the Gorman quarterback, like you said, it's a verbal. Um, I know a lot of other schools went hard after him. He's also five ten, one sixty, so I'm not sure that that's yeah. a a true match for a run and shoot, but hey, they offered him. I think they're really happy to get him, so we'll see where that one goes. Um, what do you expect for a Hawaii contingent at this game? Are we talking, you know three thousand, five, eight, ten, or more? I mean, uh, there's a lot of buzz. I heard ticket sales are going pretty well.
0: Yeah, uh, I know there's also a lot of buzz. You had you sent me the video that uh, Hawaii Defensive Coordinator Jacob Yoro, um, had said earlier this week before the team left. I don't, um, I don't know what the ticket sales are like. And to be honest, since this is my first, uh, Hawaii UNLV trip, uh, I don't know exactly what to expect except that I know that there will be a lot of Hawaii people here. Um, I don't know if the claim is true that there are more Hawaii fans than UNLV and I'm not going to play into, uh, I'm not going to play on, into those words because I don't on. know the answer to that. But I would think you'd imagine at least several thousand here uh, making that trip up.
2: Well, it was loud here a couple of years ago. Um, <laughs> and UNLV wasn't in very good shape at the time. But they did. Actually, they did take out Hawaii in that game. But the Hawaiian contingent then was pretty big. And I'm sure the energy around the program is a lot bigger now than it was a couple of years ago with uh, the hometown dude or uh, you know former quarterback in, in Timmy Chang. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your pick on the game? What do you think is going to happen?
0: Whew. Um man, I haven't really decided on a pick yet. I mean, I, I really do believe that the line, that 11-and-a-half line that I saw yesterday is pretty fair um, that was put down, given UNLV's offense. I, I know a lot of people would think that if, I, you know, if I'm a Hawaii guy on a Las Vegas radio station, I'm supposed to pick Hawaii. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that that's the case necessarily. Um, I, I like UNLV at home. Uh, if you're putting me on the spot right now, I'd probably say UNLV by a touchdown. Uh, in all fairness, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens on Saturday.
2: All right, where have you eaten downtown so far? Have you gone to the uh, the cafe at the Cal?
0: Well, I mean, I literally just walked back up from the uh, the, the buffet over at Main Street Station. Nice, um, good choice. So I was going to say if I if I happen to knock out during this interview, that was a lot of food. <laughs> uh, but food I also coma. had. Uh, <laughs> They call it a, they call it Kanak attack for us uh, in, in Hawaii. Um, but I also had this place called a Project Barbecue right outside the Circa. Okay. The other night, yeah. really, really, really good. Nice. So uh, we're we're making sure we get our fill of some really good food up here. All right. Well, text me later if
2: you're looking for outside of the cow for hardcore Hawaiian food. I might not give the best recommendation because you guys really <laughs> know the food. But there are a, there are a lot of Hawaiian joints around town now, like a lot of Hawaiian joints around Vegas.
0: I want to take you up on that for sure.
2: All right, Josh, we appreciate it. We'll see you out of the game, okay? Appreciate you guys. Thank you. Am I the one who should be giving advice on Hawaiian food or not? Uh, do you one, know it better? No,
1: oh, no, not me, not okay. at all. Do you go get, I, actually, do you, do you get Hawaiian food? It's so weird that you said that. I don't know if maybe, like, subconsciously, you know, you make decisions based off thoughts in your head. Um, I did order Hawaiian and ate Hawaiian last night. Oh, you but did? But it was just, like, simple, like, you know, like a pork belly meat platter with some steamed rice and macaroni salad, but with so, a little chicken katsu, uh, that's the word I'm looking for, musubi, musubi. Okay. But, yes, I do uh, enjoy it. Always
2: salad. Actually, I think I got. Damon was here. I mean, he's here every day. Um, I think I got snubbed by. Did Arash give me a yes or a no? Or did he kind of. Because I told Arash, I'm like, yeah, you know, I know it's a big weekend for you. Arash, who covers LA and mm. Vegas and Hawaii, um, and he likes to eat. Uh, he has the Sporting Tribune. I asked him, I'm like, hey, you know, let's break some bread. Break some bread. Maybe Friday morning we'll go get some uh, Locomoco. And he, he didn't really give me like a good vibe back.
1: It's such a heavy, you eat so heavy. It's such a heavy meal to eat in the morning.
2: You don't have to eat the whole thing. I thought it was breakfast food. Yeah, it, could it, be, it could be yeah. lunch, too. It's on, it's on It's on. most menus, whatever, if it's not 24-7, while they're open. I actually don't eat breakfast, so I probably wouldn't go to get breakfast.
1: Let's go. Come on. I'm in. Come on, Arash. I got a free pass. Let's go. We got to go somewhere. That's the big
2: party moment. Yeah. We got to line something up for this guy. These the, these two breakfast. weeks. These two weeks. Yeah, we're going to go crazy and get breakfast. We'll get Bloody Marys. Let's go.
3: Uh, <laughs> You're tomorrow. out on that.
2: Yeah, I, I ran the uh, Loco Moco plan by uh, Caleb Herring, who we'll, uh, we'll hear from him, actually, in just a couple minutes with our broadcaster Bites, because we reviewed, we did a long podcast on El Paso. Um, but yeah, at the uh, the end of the podcast, I was like, yeah, Loco Moco this week, come on. And he's like, man, eh, I don't like it. I've never tried it, so I'm not going to say oh, I really? don't
1: like it. I just feel like I've seen it, and it just looks like a heavy meal to eat first thing in the morning. I've never tried it either. I've seen I saw I mean, you there, eat it.
2: I mean, there's a lot of rice. Yeah. I Where'd mean, you see me
1: eat it? I've... Do you want to say born and raised? Did Probably. you get there one yeah. time? For, yeah. it was like a weird UNLV like Air Force basketball game that started at like 10 a.m. for some reason.
2: And I really, I got yeah. one.
1: And you, yeah, and you hammered it down.
2: Impressive, right? Or or, or sickening.
1: I can eat I, anything. My I, body can take it all.
2: I think you toughen your body. Yeah. By taking some risk every once in a while. And I don't get sick
0: ever either. By the way, great immune system. Yep. Milk does a body strong. We got—we were indoctrinated with, with the idea that you had to have uh, a big ready? glass of milk. Ready for
2: this one? Yeah. All right. First of all, I am—I am—I have gotten better. I'm not drinking like the sludge. I'm not drinking the two percent whole. I'm down to zero percent.
1: Um, <laughs> right at two percent. of milk.
0: Now back to Coalfield and Company in the Finlay Toyota studio.
2: Yeah, that was a big discussion yesterday. Uh, we were not mocking on your potential uh, lactose intolerance because we know that might have come up uh, this last couple weeks. Uh, we just got into a conversation about drinking milk because I took some hot milk out of the car and drank it. Just what? To, I didn't enjoy. I didn't like the first hour we did, and then I remembered that I had brought milk in a cup, I can't and uh, and I was like, I deserve this, so I I drank some hot milk. And I actually I I went the wrong way on the temperature. It, it, I said the temperature was sixty. It was probably like forty five instead of like high twenties or low thirties in terms of degrees. So it for the milk that you drank, yeah, it wasn't a sixty degree milk. Well, was, so the that
1: it wasn't hot milk, then it was just like room, like just. Um, well, when you say hot, like you make me think no, 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 not sat like in boiling. your car no. for like 7 hours no, no, it was and you like were like that's oh, still car. good. It was an hour in the car. Oh, okay. That's not terrible. Um I will say all that that rapid mention of milk, my tummy went so. I mean, Watkins a well, That was Justin Watkins <laughs> on that
2: bite from yesterday and Justin's like, "Yeah, I still drink milk. That's what I grew up on." And his uh did he say his daughters won't drink it? Yeah. Yeah, they're they're like all weaned off to whatever. No, no, he said No, the coworkers. He said some of his coworkers won't drink it. They think it's gross and they're all on almond milk and oat
1: whatever oat milk. I've transitioned to oat milk. That's a great scam. I mean It's a great scam. It's a great scam because you know how easy it is to make oat milk? Is it really? Oh, dude, it's it's insanely easy. You just need a blender and some oats. Maybe a little honey if you want to well, watch like, some like What are those, like a quart, those are the boxes they serve them in? Yeah. Like the problem is, is like you do need quite a bit of like oats and milk to give you like a decent amount. Uh, and then you need a cheesecloth because you got to be able to strain it and all that kind of stuff. Oh, okay. Squeeze it You've out. Done it? Have you made it? No, I've just okay. watched a bunch of TikTok videos on it. Did super you tr- easy. Did you
2: try in the last couple of days to make your own cheese curds so you can find out if they're good or they're just always terrible? Because you got fast food cheese curds and then you were sick all day on Monday. Yeah.
1: So, no, I have not. Um, I also haven't addressed it. Now I will say, actually, dude, I I'm getting old is so weird. I have a big unopened thing of lactate back at home that I can't wait to try out. Yeah, hey, you gotta try it. See if it works. Yep. So. It does. It works. Yeah. That's I don't take it, but it's, it's what works. I'm looking forward to these days, you it know? <laughs> Silence and lactate. So <laughs> the,
2: the the battle and the war is on our doorstep. This thing with In N Out and Whataburger is gonna come to a head. Oh, In and Out sucks. Because Whataburger's coming. And Caleb Herring, who says he's an L.A. guy, but really more of an Inland Empire type guy. um, Close enough, right? I mean, he's an in-and-out devotee. So we got Whataburger on the way to the UTEP game. There's a whole story around it. We don't have time for, uh, for us to play all of it for you. But this was basically his take on getting Whataburger, which I think... Is I know the the first store is going in down on the strip and then at least 10 more stores are coming around the valley and then the In-N-Out Whataburger fan war is on.
3: I had on recommendation the patty melt which is that is I say the best thing on their menu is the patty melt. Um, That's what I think makes Whataburger special. This time though I decided to try try to go for the gusto try to get something special and different so I got the the bacon water burger, and I added jalapenos because they have a jalapeno burger and a bacon water burger. So I was like, let's do both. Let's get it all. Let's go for it all. So I tried that. I got to tell you, it was good. And mind you, I, I didn't have it hot. I didn't eat it hot because we drove to the stadium to make sure we got there in time and got checked you know, into the the press box. And they were gracious enough to let us take it into the press box. So I, it was not hot anymore. It was kind of lukewarm to warm. And it was still good. It held. like The, the flavor held. It was quality i gave it a 73 on my scale which for a fast food burger is is good right like especially if it's not hot like not hot and fresh that that definitely makes an impact on fast food i will say this i'm a california kid in and out reigns supreme i will give in and out the slight edge Well, um, what was the biggest weakness of Waterburger aside the from their biggest weakness was mm-hmm. the damn fries yeah. that's it, about as heated
2: as caleb gets so you know when he says damn, that he said the fries were terrible.
1: He's not on today, right? So I can't say this to his face, or should I save it? You do what you want. in and out fries are the- terrible. Thank you. That can't be the thing the that doesn't hold up when your place that you hold as the Holy Grail has the worst fries also. Well, he, he
2: admitted I, that the fries aren't that good there.
1: Okay. Okay. Right. So, wait, so then how is that like the deciding factor between In-N-Out and Whataburger?
2: Oh, I don't know if it was a deciding factor. He was just making commentary that the fries were terrible.
1: No, I think he said that. No, oh, really? I think that's exactly right. what he said. Right. So you know what, Caleb, I'm calling you out. All right. In and Out's fries are not good. Yeah. I get a double double because it's the size of a regular patty. All right. I don't need you skip it on my meat. In and Out is overrated. I'm willing to say it without ever trying Whataburger, I will say. All right. Will you try it when it gets here? I thought it was good. We
2: uh, we basically score on like a pro football focus zero to one hundred. Mm-hmm. So you know you get into the seventies. That's pretty solid performance. The FFB grade, right? Uh, All right, what, do you, what, is it? what do you guys call it? Uh, just PFF. Just pro-foodie focus. I think we changed her from last year. I don't know. We, oh, Broadcaster of- Bites. There we go. The oh, B- bro- oh, the, the podcast. The whatever. Oh, yeah. The Broadcaster Bites is, uh, is every week. It's up on our social media platform. So check it out. We, we did uh, Whataburger against In-N-Out. We talked about several Mexican joints. Um, I talked about uh, deep, deep sadness and regrets for being uh, eliminated from a meal because people couldn't wait for me to get off the air. Um, I also talked about frustration with one person at the game found food at the Sun Bowl, uh, media food. The other three did not.
1: Wait, so the person found food and then just didn't tell you guys? Wow. Yep. How could Danny do that?
2: Wasn't Danny. (laughs)
0: Host of Suit Up News, legal and cultural contributor, Xavier Pope, is live on Cofield and Company. All
2: right, we'll move away from the food conversation, or should we, John?
1: No, of course not.
2: Or should we? Xavier Pope is in with us. Xavier, how are you? I'm pretty good. How are you, Steve? Uh, I'm, well, I'm probably not that healthy. Uh, based on what we were just talking about earlier, we just had a conversation uh, today based off a conversation yesterday about... Uh, still drinking uh, cow breast milk, um, and pretty much everyone else on the show does not do that. I, I and I said during the break, I was <laughs> like, "Don't bring it up to Xavier because he's gonna he'll just eviscerate
1: Xavier." Me. He made you sound like you were like really heated specifically about the topic of milk. I think he's gonna.
4: Why would well, you to be drinking cow's milk, dude? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: what? What? Wait,
4: this is in in like this. I mean, uh-huh. yeah, that's not the best thing to drink milk from a cow. Um, breast milk from a cow. Yeah. You know how absurd milk is? Do something different, Steve. Do better.
2: Do you, do you go up to women who are breastfeeding and you're like, what are you doing? Get that baby off that boob right now. (laughs) Well, I mean, Steve, I don't think we're talking about like
4: women's breast milk, Steve. Um, unless you got something got going on that I don't know about in terms of your milk, your milk consumption. Some people say it has a lot of nutrients. Yeah. I mean, I don't know okay. if there's a special type of diet that you're on, but no.
2: Have you had any? Have you seen any studies that we could that you could feed babies like untreated cow milk and they would grow up just fine?
4: I'm pretty sure that, that you know there are plenty of kids who go drink formula growing up, so I can imagine that that's probably the case. Um, but right. um, good. you know, but for development and connection to the mom, all the things, breastfeeding is a recommended. I mean, that's why humans make breast milk for a reason. It's just not just hey, just hey. It's just optional if you like some.
1: I recently transitioned to oat milk, Xavier. So I hope you're proud of me. Um, now it's it's not to show off. It's not to save any animals. It's actually because uh, I think I might be lactose intolerant. So,
2: but I'm on the oat milk train. Devastating news: cheese, milk might be out of Jvt's diet. It's all over.
1: Well, prop to him.
4: I drink oat milk. I think oat milk is the best alternative milk in terms of giving the creaminess which people want from that regular milk but it also has a bunch of nutrients in it as well so solid choice my friend all
2: right i think we're all in agreement dame going to milwaukee is a pretty damn good thing for the bucks i wonder how dame feels right now because he was really jonesing to go to miami but this is a hell of a deal uh you know basically on the eve of the nba season here coming up in a couple of weeks
4: it makes Milwaukee the frontrunner to get back to the finals. Um, that team was already a finals championship quality squad before Dame game got there. Are uh, you going to bring in a 25 point uh, per game career score to that squad? Uh, and that's all he really needed was another guy. Um, they could space out teams. They could do a lot of different things to basketball. Um, they couldn't necessarily do at that position before. You, you also have. Um, Those players on the Milwaukee team, they were hurt last year. So getting a a team that gets guys back, even a game, getting him back healthy, uh, getting Chris Middleton another year to recover from a devastating injury that he suffered, that's going to be a dangerous ball club.
1: So, Xavier, one of the topics that spun out of this trade, right, was the player empowerment conversation. And there were a lot of people asking the question, well, why does the player empowerment movement stop with Damian Lillard, who has done so much for his club? But my rebuttal is – I think this is actually a really big move for player empowerment because on the other end was Giannis Antetokounmpo, who spent all offseason, warning this team, hey, guys, if you really don't do anything, I might be out of here. And they went and traded for Damian freaking Lillard. Am I reading into this wrong?
4: No, you're not reading it wrong at all. Uh, Giannis, uh, and he, he's, he's right to put leverage over the team to make sure they, they win. I mean, Michael Jordan did that all during the, the 80s in terms of Threatening that team, bringing this piece, bringing this, bringing this player. So, um, but he didn't necessarily have the same power generation ago as athletes do today. And I think that you're, you're absolutely reading it right.
1: All right. So you're a very well-measured man. I'm a hater. I am willingly a hater. Uh, I think this is hilarious that the Miami Heat did not get Damian Lillard. <laughs>
4: no, I, I think you're not a hater at all. I, I, well, if you hate no Miami, it's a great place to hang out. Uh, but in terms of the Miami Heat, I mean, Miami Heat fans thought it was a done deal. That was the place that Dame wanted to go. Uh, and uh, this, I think, this is a better situation for him. Uh, either either way, I think either team, whether they landed, name would be a favorite to win the East. So um, this tips the scale definitely in Milwaukee's favor. Um, but I don't know why you would just hate on Miami. is Vegas it's a nice, warm city?
2: You're uh, you've been a bit of a hater in some ways. I've I've seen some of the shots. I marked them down. We're gonna try to try to make it a nicer person here on the spot, Xavier. Um, does Sam Bowie need to be getting strays right now? Uh, you made a you made a <laughs> comment about uh, Aiton in the deal going to Portland. What are you doing, man? Let it go. The Portland. I made a tweet about Portland really loves top lottery
4: pick centers who are billed to be generational talents, but. Yeah. Don't pan out. I not just talk about Sam Bowie, uh, Greg Oden.
2: I, I just it just hit me that I forgot about Greg <laughs> Oden. That's that is uh, the, for the younger generation. Not that you're that much younger than me, but we
4: had we had like two, we had three different generations of players. That it's just the pattern. I mean, this is, what is going on for a good forty years. The Portland Trailblazers had two, three different generations come. A player, DeAndre Ayton, was supposed to be a much bigger star than he is right now. He's already hit his ceiling you got to worry about injury, just like Bowie and just like Greg Oden. I, I don't really see that much of a difference other than he's contributed more to his basketball team than those guys previously.
1: What do you make of a change of scenery, though? Because he, like, he clearly – there was certainly something there behind the scenes, right? Like oh, The team yeah. didn't really like him. He didn't like them. Like It's got to be account for something.
4: Yeah, I mean, a change of scenery could help some guys out, but I don't I, – DeAndre Ayton needs to, to do some different things with the basketball uh, in terms of how he dominates games, and you just don't see it, especially on the uh, on, on the defensive end, um, to be a more well-rounded defensive player, uh, to be able to impact uh, the other team and how they're scoring the basketball. Uh, I don't necessarily see that, particularly in a, a place like Portland where Drew Holiday he's there, but... There are a bunch of rumors talking about that the Portland Trailblazers are shipping him out to try to get some parts. So how serious are the Trailblazers are contending even taking advantage of those talents in the first place?
2: I like trash talk. I like angst. I like heat. Uh, I like seeing people get trash talk shoved right back in their face. You didn't like the Oregon coach, Dan Lanning, and his pregame speech?
4: I don't like it at all. I mean, Oregon, you're talking to a team that was 1-11 the year before, uh, and you've been talking about... Uh, he, he also said that uh, they're, they're trying to do what they're doing for likes and uh, or it retweets shares and we're we're going out for wins. I mean, that pregame speech was recorded. He was doing that specifically for the purpose in which he was criticizing Dan Sanders for right. and, and that team. So uh, it was kind of ironic that what he did, got all the shares, all the likes. Uh, of course, obviously, it, they won, but I think that's what the purpose of that was. It had nothing to do with motivating
2: the team at all. Right. Uh, you were also very critical of um, what could happen on national TV in front of one Taylor Swift on Sunday night with my jet, <laughs> with my Jets. Oh God,
4: <laughs> that was funny. It was you know Chief linebacker really gay uh, was asked now about his thoughts about uh, going against Zach Wilson and the Jets offense, and the man could not stop himself from laughing. Yep. As Zach Wilson then pivoted and said. They run the football. I mean, Zach Wilson should be absolutely feel disrespected. That Jets squad and Jets fans should be absolutely embarrassed at a player ask about your team. Literally laugh at the fact that they have to face you. Uh, I, I, they should be completely embarrassed.
2: Okay, <laughs> who, do you, who do you think is more embarrassing, my Jets or your Bears?
4: Oh, that's tough. Uh, <laughs> and pick, and pick, flip a coin. Uh, the Bears best, best, franchise is in absolute turmoil right now, it's going nowhere. And the Jets certainly don't look to be going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, and with to, two guys that were drafted high, that teams were high on, and now to the the fan base is currently, uh, currently soured on, yep. uh, tough situation. I, pick, pick a pick.
1: What do you make of Justin Fields and what has happened with him? Because I've kind of – since he's come in, Xavier – I've kind of felt like he's been getting the short end of the stick. Like even going into last year, they tear down yeah. the team and then they expect him to develop in that kind of a setting. They're limiting him in terms of what he can do as a runner. I don't. I, I just. I feel like he hasn't been given a fair shake.
4: He absolutely haven't been given a fair shake, and I've talked about this on air several places that uh, the coaching is off, absolutely off. But offensive coaching having him in all those dropbacks, seven and nine step drops um, when you could be rolling a guy out in in, in a game. Uh, he rolls out and walks right into the end zone. Take advantage of his ability to to run the ball. Design some get slick with your play call is, with the different types of runs and get different actions off the run. so teams don't know where the ball is coming from. The Bears have absolutely no creati- creativity on offense, and then trading away all the defense. And you know, the Bears defense is absolutely terrible. Um, and so now you're not now I don't have a defensive coordinator either. Uh, on top of that, so. uh, Justin Fields has not been given a fair shot to win in the national football league.
1: Amen, brother. I agree with that 100%. But keeping it in Chicago, I got to ask you, you shared an article and it made me think, do you think that with this big 50th anniversary of hip-hop that's been going on all since the summer that Chicago's not getting enough love?
4: Yeah, Evan F. Moore, a good friend of mine, he's written for the Sun-Times, written for many other many outlets, has a book on hockey uh, and, and, and a toxic culture there in terms of race. Um, and Chicago in terms of how crews were in Chicago and how parties were set up even in high school um, and and the different artists that have come up, like the Kanye West, like the Chance the Rapper, and the Commons, and how uh, Chicago is part of the hip, typically part of the hip-hop scene. Chicago should get more love in terms of celebrating the 50th anniversary of hip-hop.
2: Xavier Pope, attorney out of Chicago, cultural contributor right here on Cofield & Company, ESPN Las Vegas. Damn, the internet never forgets um, you got. I don't even no, know what right. the purpose of it was because I thought uh, this complex story that actually went back to your battle with a, a rideshare delivery driver for food, they didn't really follow up on it. They just posted it and kind of left it out there, like maybe suggesting that you were a jerk. I'm not really sure of the point of the, the story and then why you were in it. Yeah, I mean, the story talked about the changes at Uber to accept SNAP benefits to be able to pay
4: for groceries. That's what the the article was about. Hmm. And then they just, it's almost like they needed something for the word count. (laughs) And they just tacked on at the very end of the article. Uh, Uber had controversy earlier this year when they your Pope had an issue with the Uber driver asking for gas money. You're talking about gas money with a customer and a customer issue versus paying with SNAP. It doesn't even make any sense. Um, And so I thought it was a poor journalism and bringing up, uh, me, I don't know. I don't know. Well, they bring that up, but I guess the internet does not forget. But I don't forget that terrible customer service that Uber make sure they took care of me for. So that's the most important thing. The bottom line, they made sure I was made whole that what happened.
2: Let's try to wrap this in like 80 seconds, John. So, John, you went on a trip uh, that was a sudden trip. Explain what happened,
1: and then your car broke down. Imagine what could have
2: happened to your wife and kids had you not been on this trip.
1: Oh, yeah, my alternator went out. uh, We were driving through Bakersfield. We were about 20 miles out, so the car started shutting down, and I had to go off at a random exit uh, at about 1 o'clock in the morning and sitting out there with the car. Luckily, I got to send them off in an Uber to another hotel, uh, so they sat there. But originally the the plan
2: was she was driving out by herself with
1: the, the kids. Oh, boy. Yep. Yeah. Look at you. You're a good guy. What
2: I do. How about that? There's there's at least one good guy. That's two good guys here today, Xavier. So, well, I mean, I, I married her and then had offspring with her. I feel like I should probably. <laughs> do that's not, that, doesn't, that doesn't guarantee anything.
1: <laughs> Might the opposite
2: way. <laughs> yeah. You drive yourself. I get a fun pass, <laughs> right? You know how it is, Xavier.
4: Well, well yeah, it, I, I absolutely do. I'm glad that it worked out, JVP, showing that you're a good man, handling, taking care of business. So, uh, oat milk drinker and all.
1: That's right. There that's you serious. go. All right. Up in the power rankings.
2: Love you, buddy. We'll see you.
1: Love you. There you go. You said it first.
2: I nail. I nail it every week now.
1: Can I say really quick? I, Make do it really go? quick. No, you got time. I just. I was going to say because Demond brought up uh, a <laughs> hip hop that the importance of playing old songs. The new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles um, movie has a tribe called Quest in it. My kid loves a tribe called Quest now, and it's awesome. Coming up,
2: college football expert Michael Felder checks in, and uh, we're going to find out if uh, Notre Dame may lose two in a row. Duke, yeah, Duke.